Did they talk themselves into it? Are they a liar? Like you can say whatever you want, or you could actually look at the science that tells you that if the brain has thoughts that are producing a certain amount of reaction in the body, there is a element of being able to produce what you want, what you're telling your body to produce, like to the point of healing yourself. The big question is this. In a world of fake Instagram models and bad diets, how do real people achieve their fitness goals? We are an army of hardworking women changing their lives through fitness and health. Wherever you are at on your journey, we have the answers to how to make working out and eating well a part of your life. Join us in changing the dialogue for women everywhere. Welcome to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. I'm Kelsey. Welcome back, guys. I'm Rachel. And we have a good one. We do have a good one. It's a good one. I feel really energized by these topics and sharing of information, but I just am one of those people that when like I find some information that I feel like is very interesting, I'm like, I have to tell the world. And that's why we have, you know, microphones. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But before we started recording, which I made you start recording because I was like, oh, that's an interesting fact. You should share that with our friends. We were talking about, you were like, I was like, okay, let's get going. And you were like, all right, wait, hold on. I have a lap cramp. I got to stretch my lap. And I was saying that I had like uh, a lot of cramps in my lats too lately. And I said to you like, oh, I wonder if it's how we're sleeping, like crumpled up on that shoulder, like squishing the lat or whatever. So say what you said. Well, I went into my thoughts or something that I had listened to recently about sleep posture and what that means for how you're internally feeling, which I thought was very interesting because I think that a lot of, I've been thinking a lot about our body language and how we're perceiving and interacting with the world through our body language. And it's one of those things that we're constantly subconsciously doing. And it's very much affecting signals to your brain, like back and forth. And sleep is one of those ones that are the most important because you have absolutely no idea, no control about the way that you're sleeping. So we always like wake up or some of us wake up in weird positions. Some of us sleep like we're in a coffin. And I think all of you guys. Not some of (laughs) Not me. Not this guy. (laughs) Only psycho killers. (laughs) No, actually, (laughs) it's really good for you to sleep like you're in a coffin, but just also makes you a psycho killer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the type of sleeper that you are, right? Like, are you the type of sleeper who sleeps like crunched up in a ball? Do you wake up in your stomach? Are you a coffin sleeper? Are you a mouth breather? Probably do a podcast on that later because breath work is so important. And if you are a mouth breather during the night, you are experiencing lower quality sleep proven and you're hurting your cognitive function during the day. We'll talk about that in a later podcast. <laughs> Just a tidbit. I like But your it. sleep posture is really telling to perhaps how you're feeling right then, or it's a reflection of 
some general feelings or, or a lot of people, anxiety, trauma, things like that. So the fetal position is, is not, I should not be waking up. It's a protective, it's a, it's a protective position. So if like you wake up in the fetal position, not that there's a lot of other studies about this, maybe we'll talk about it in the future, but it is an indication of feeling like you need to be in a protective way in the world, like that you maybe have some feelings of anxiety or that you are feeling sometimes like attacked in some type of a way. Oh, so that's how I should be sleeping. Yeah. Okay. So, this is, yeah, it's all making sense. It's you're all like, making this sense. is all okay. good. This is no, it's a, feedback it's, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not the kind of feedback that you're like, oh, I don't know that person at all. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. Well, so the thing is you can't, you can't change necessarily how you're sleeping your sleep posture because you wake up and you're like, I, I am still in this way. But some counteractive measures that you could take to improve some of those feelings or to like, you know, counteract some of that is that when you wake up and you wake up in your sleep, your maybe your fetal position and you immediately go for, to your phone and kind of stay in that position. Instead, wake up, stretch out big, make yourself large and take up more space. And this is proven to increase some confidence over longer periods of time and like feelings with like your confidence you're interacting with the world. So it's from a posture expert. I listened to a whole thing about it. That's cool. And I think that I'm gonna see, I made a mistake. It was a rookie mistake. It was easily Googleable. But I bought a new bed and I thought I was going, I thought I was looking at the options. It's like queen, king. And then I said, California king. And I was like, oh my God. It's like, there's something above king. Like I want to be in the next universe from my husband. Like the further (laughs) away, the better. We're both small people, but it's like, I I have to be. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, we, and this is like a shared thing. Like I'm not offending him. Like we want to be super far. We don't even want to know that we're sleeping in the same bed together. So I want like two rolls before I get to somebody. Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh my God, California King. It's like they, they, it's even bigger than a King. I'm getting the biggest bed that they have. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even going to know he's there. And then swamp womp, you guys that all know what a California King is. They take from the width and they put it on the length. It's for tall people. So <laughs> I'm five, like three you two need more leg room. <laughs> okay. I'm five, three. Like my husband is, I'll say he's five, four just for the podcast. We're I think very, he would appreciate like a five six. Okay, but that that's not even that wouldn't even be remotely true. Okay, we are very small, but I want to be far away. So I took all of the width that I could like have from like not rolling into him, and I put it into length where no one needs it. And now we're like you closer. guys can sleep halfway down the bed and still <laughs> get there. Oh, maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should like go the other way. Anyways, now we're closer and I'm so mad at myself because I thought I was improving on the widest bed you could possibly get. And I'm an idiot. Like (laughs) 
Wow. I'm an idiot. And you can't return mattresses because... Well, we have to pause on this language because you're not an idiot. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. I kind of am. Don't talk to my sister like that. Well, <laughs> well you're an idiot. You're an idiot, what? though. <laughs> I'm sorry about your mishap with your bed. Yeah. I don't know why I said that, but I, oh, oh, right. Cause we were talking about the sleep posture. Yeah. Like I want to get up in the morning and like do my power pose, mm-hmm. but I would punch him in the face in, in a bigger bed in my regular. <laughs> can- oh, that's true. Maybe I just- Oops. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just building confidence over here. Yeah. I'm building confidence by punching you in the face. <laughs> oh, no. So, all right, let's do lift or drop so we don't forget. And okay. also we don't make the fans angry. They don't like when we skip the lift or drop. I have mm-hmm. mine. Are you ready? Oh, Are I just want to give a follow-up for lift or drop too. Because yeah. I gave one, like I was like thinking like, I wonder if like anyone – is like, hey, are you still doing that thing? Yeah. And I just wanted to give one of mine was well, like we followed a, your water journey. Very oh, that's closely. true. And I'm still, yeah, I'm still, I'm still my water, my water vibe. And I, and I wanted to say, like, I, I think I said one time I was making the bed every morning, still on that yeah. grind, still nice. have made my bed every single morning. So I'm really proud of that. Um, this week I am lifting morning workouts, which is like a rough one for me because. I have always been a 5 p.m. worker outerer, and I don't know if it's like, well, I do know. It's just habit. That's what my body says is the the right time because that's what I've always done, whatever. But like I've talked myself into like, oh, it's because I have a day full of calories. I have more, like I've talked myself into all these ridiculous things that are not actually true. And I can't do the five. I can't do it. Yeah. And you got too much your life right now, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to why you can't do the 5 p.m. Yeah. It's just like, if you are in a season of your life with youth sports, like, or any kind of kid activities, it ain't it. It ain't it. Once school is over, like there's homework, there's baseball, there's a million things. And it's like, it just either gets done and then it makes me more chaotic for the next day. Cause I'm like not ready. Or it's like, it doesn't get done. So I'm dropping that. I'm just, I'm dropping that and I'm lifting, working at a time where I have not previously enjoyed, but I'm just saying like something's better than nothing. And it doesn't matter if my performance would have been better at five than at eight, because like that's literally irrelevant if you don't do it. So morning workouts. Love it. I love this reasoning behind it too. What are you lifting? What are you dropping? Um, I'm lifting confidence. So I kind of had a prelude to that when I was telling you uh, interacting more confidently with the world is because I was seeking that information is where I stumbled upon the rest of it. But I'm lifting confidence because I'm in a season right now where I have a lot of different decisions going on where I don't feel fully confident or that I am super confident in all of the information given. And I think that that has set me on some different feelings and has made me question just like listening to other people and like being like, okay, everyone else knows better. But at the end of the day, I know better. I know best for me in my life. And regardless of the like feeling inadequate to some of the 
information. I do know what's best for me. I'm the expert there. So I'm trying to lift some confidence in that area because I think it will serve me. First time home buyers. Are yeah. <laughs> First time home buyers can so relate. Like you don't understand anything. Everybody's talking way too fast and they're all just trying to get a deal done. And you're just like left feeling in the dust. Like you don't know what's going on and everybody's driving the ship and you're like, desperately holding on to like a lifeboat at the very back. And it's like your investment, which and is it's your weird, investment. So you're like, why am I in the back here with the lifeboat? <laughs> like, so I love that. And I, I think I, I, I think a confidence is really helping me. It's been a learning experience, but I do think that when I was speaking to all these people with less confidence, I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling pushed around. And when I was like, okay, take in information, but say what you want confidently, just say it, whether, you know, like just let it out there and take in the information and say like, okay, I'll make a decision on this. Thanks for that. Like that is that, I think that is definitely helping me. And I think that is, that's what I'm lifting this week. And all sure. you had to do was just start stretching in the morning. <laughs> this, is, this is, wow. This, this, well, wow. I think one of the things which to follow up on some of my lifter jobs is one of the things that I had been lifting was meditation. And I will still say this is a game changer. Yes, it is something that I'm still doing. I'm trying to move some of them to the morning because I think it's helping me during the day. But I, whenever you can get it in like a workout. So sometimes at night, sometimes at the morning. But I think that I worked through some of those things because I said, you are feeling really nervous all the time. Why? And then I just sat with that for a, or a bit. And that's what I, that's the conclusion that I came out of it. Yes, and then I said, girl. okay, I'm going to get more information on this so that I can, you know, give myself the best tools, right? Like when you identify something within yourself that you'd like to change or improve, for me, then I like look for more information on how to do that. I'm like, okay, like confidence is something that I'm feeling deficient in right now. I'm going to, I'm going to surround myself with that information. Like what a world to live in, right? That you right? can just like go access it. I know. Well, that's what we're doing with this podcast today, which kind of like slides us right into some of the things that we want to talk about today, which is, you know, your thoughts and your thoughts making you sick or making you healthy and having all of this information readily available, I just want to acknowledge is such a dichotomy because you can have a slew of really great information that is going to fuel your brain and fuel your body and fuel the life that you want to live and chase after. But you also have just at the tips of your fingertips, like a bunch of kind of negative, negative experience, negative things, like things that are constantly telling you or feeding some of your demons. Like Dude, it's your it's your life algorithm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it because you do have access to all of these things. But I think that's why we live in a society right now. It's so heightened in every way because you have, you can fuel either way, right? Like you can fuel like positive energy, like the, the life that you want, you can have, you can chase after that information and kind of like be like, oh, okay, I can be a better partner. I can be a better human. I can... I can focus on some of these things, but you also have like all of these other messages that are kind of darker. You can decide which ones fit where, but you have all of them like readily available. So I feel like we're all just like living in this like kind of heightened life. 
right? It's a a gift and a curse. I I do feel that way. The availability to information is it's a gift and a curse. But this information, I think, is neutral in the sense that you take it in and then you get to decide what to do with it or how you want to employ this in your life. Because the science is there and it's supporting what we know that the brain is capable of as far as running the show in the body and how it functions literally down to a cellular level. And we know this and we have the science to back it up and we then have the decision of what we want to do with that information. And it can be neutral in that way of just like, hey, I just know this now and I know it. And I like receiving information that way. And that's how I try to get rid of most bias is just to say like, I'm just going to receive this in a neutral position. And then I'm going to decide like, where does that fit in for me? When you sent me this podcast, I listened to one of the leading experts in this field about thoughts and the way that your thoughts are actually influencing the physical being that is your body. Like, as we said, down to the cells. And he was so funny because, you know what, not like Dr. Joe, no offense. No offense. (laughs) This was Dr. Joe Dispenza. You can look him up. He's doing some incredible, incredible work in this field. But like, he's so one of those people that like fell into this as like it, this happened to him and like all of this information came to him and he like, he never wanted to be like a guru and he doesn't have like necessarily the personality of like, let me take you on this journey. And yes. like, you yeah. know how there's people that have yes. a message and you get, you're really more about the person than the message because they just sell it. Like that's not Dr. Joe. <laughs> no, you're so right. I love that. Per- I love that perception because that's, That's so right. But I also think that for me, sometimes, like sometimes for me, that information is more valuable because I think like they're just like, hey, hey, man, here's the science. (laughs) And you're just like, (laughs) and you're just like, there's no fluff. There's no fluff for sure. Mm -hmm. It's just like, take it or leave it. And you're like, well, wow, you are a character, but like the, the information is, is just, it's so riveting. And he's not the only one doing work in this field. There are so many experts in psychology and, um, just looking at the power of thoughts. And some of this research is, I'm going to just preface this. I found it hard to believe. I know you can even hear, so he's a doctor and uh, was obviously not looking uh, to kind of fall into some of this practice. And I, I think even for a lot of people who look at the science and see the results behind this and are kind of very analytical in that way, uh, find it difficult to, to believe because you kind of, when you see amazing results like this, that are not attributed to things that we in the in this side of the world, or in this side, in our culture, think about as science. So when we go towards science, we think about like medication, research, things like that, the tangible things that we can say, you take this, your serotonin goes up, you feel better, right? So we like things that we can follow in that way. 
when we see changes within the brain that are due to an experience or due to a train of thought or due to, in psychology, the work that we're doing to kind of unravel trauma or, you know, like redistribute thoughts, that is a little bit harder to track. And it seems less sciencey. And then we think about like, well, what kind of study is this? Because like, I don't get a pill that I can get to people. And for some reason in our culture, we find that a little bit less valuable. But to me personally, I find that so much more empowering because I think from, and this is my bias going into this, is like your body is the most amazing thing on the planet. It is the most capable, it is the most, it has some, it has some wild capabilities, right? Like just like the things that we do on a daily basis, like just think about like your heart beating, your lungs moving, like the things that your body does on a daily basis to keep you alive is the most, is the coolest thing on the planet. So the idea that we could better utilize what we already have to heal, I'm like, well, yeah, it's the most important Uh, form of technology is the most important thing that we have, right? Yeah. And I think there are certain parts of mindset and, and the power of thoughts that are kind of universally accepted, which is like, if you think positive, you'll be a more positive person. If you think happy, you'll be happy. Like those kinds of, we can follow those easy trains of thought of like, if you want to be a happier person, you need to change your mindset to be a little bit more happy thoughts going in. But like also all of that seems so abstract because like measuring the level of happy, exactly. It's so weird. But like the thing that I loved about these studies is they're actually measuring like things on a cellular level, functions, like with tangible numbers, measuring hormones, measuring muscle growth, measuring things that we can put a number to and say there was an actual increase here. And it the only thing we can attribute it to was thoughts. And that is so crazy and wild. So we know like, okay, think happier, be happier. But like, could you actually think fitter and be fitter? Like, could you talk your metabolism into working faster? Could you like think your muscles into growing more? Like this whole thing opens up like a whole big can of worms of what could we actually do with the power of our thoughts physically in our body that would translate to like, could we live longer by thinking a certain way consistently? Would that increase our lifespan? And people have research this and what they have found has been really astounding to me. Yeah. Some of the, some of the physical results that have come from some of these studies have been like, I, at the same thing, I was like, really? Like, let me see, let me see the, the science behind this, but. All right. You want to do it then? You well, want to look at I, some I do, of the studies? I, I just want to think for everyone to kind of put yourself in before you enter in some of these things, like kind of take inventory of what some of your thoughts are about yourself and your body and how it works and like what you feel you're living for a healthy lifestyle, how you're feeling on a daily basis. I like you to start by just kind of taking inventory of what those are and who you are. And like, I think that's a really important place to start because like who you think you are is very relevant to what we're going to talk about. 
Actually, it's everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's everything. (laughs) We've said a number of times that you are who you say you are. And that seemed very abstract and like guru motivationally kind of thing. But there's actually science to back that up. So we're going to go through a couple studies today and these will all be available in the show notes if you want to have a closer look. So the first study was on a physically demanding job. They took hotel room attendants. So these were people that were like vigorously working throughout the day on cleaning hotel rooms, changing beds, like lifting things, vacuuming, like a very physical job in nature and a long day. Two th- they asked two-thirds of the participants, do you think that you're getting a sufficient amount of exercise during the day? And two-thirds of them said no. They were not getting a sufficient amount of exercise. So they broke those two thirds up into two groups. One group was sat down and told by doctors, there is, here's all the evidence that the physical demands of your job are actually absolutely substantial exercise that is making you healthier and fitter every single day. Group B was just told, hey, you guys know the benefits of exercise? Yeah, okay, so you know, make sure you're getting in some exercise during the day. Said nothing about the jobs. The group that was told that their job was making them fitter saw improvements in their weight, their blood pressure, and their body fat over four weeks. The group that was not told that had no notable health changes, none. They weren't doing anything different. Nothing was different. The only thing that was different was that group A had the mindset that the exercise that they were doing at work was making them healthier. Now, did that mean that they like made the bed a little bit more vigorously because they were like, oh, this is great exercise or like vacuumed faster thinking like, hey, I want to do this a little bit harder because this is my exercise for the day. Like whatever, all that was changed was what they thought about their own job and the exercise that it provided. And they literally had changes that we could measure in blood pressure, weight, and body fat. All they were given was information about their belief system, right? So like that's all, that's all that they were actually given. And then they could do with that what they wanted. So you could be given information that um, says like, you know, your activity on a daily basis is really improving your health. And you could say like, "Mm, no, I don't think it is. And you could discard that information for sure. Maybe some of these people did, but it didn't matter. It didn't even matter. Like it was a seed that was planted in there that contributed to what their belief system was, maybe moments of doubt, whatever. And it had physical changes to their body. Quick interruption, guys. I have to tell you about our cold weather gear coming up this October. We worked so hard on everything this fall and getting you guys the coolest transitional gear going from summer to winter and everything in between. So check out all of our new drops at constantlyvariedgear.com. I know you're going to love them. It's so wild. The next one I think maybe people have heard of because I've definitely heard of stuff like this as an athlete when you're recovering from injury. So like this has been something that I've looked at, but four-week study at a musculoskeletal and neurological institute. It was like 30 people who had wrist, they casted everybody's wrists 
And in the exact same way, these people didn't have actual breaks. They were just being casted just for this experiment. So they're completely mobile. Half of them were told that five times a week, they had to imagine in their mind, intensely contracting and releasing their casted wrist for like 13 second intervals. So like they couldn't do that. Obviously, when you're casted, you're completely immobile. All they were told was think about it. Think about doing that action. And the other group was just told like, you're casted. Don't worry about it. Don't give it a second thought, like whatever. At the end of the study, casts came off and they measured the strength that was lost in the wrist. And obviously being immobile, everybody lost strength. But the incredible thing was that the people who did the imaginary exercises lost 50% less strength than those who didn't. 50% just by thinking about exercising. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's wild. Mm -hmm. What else could you do? Nothing. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like some of these like literally just blow my mind because movement is extremely important. And we've talked about things when it comes to visualization of a movement, when it comes to, you know, watching other people exercise or, you know, watching some movements and trying to like, I always say like, I'm going to watch good lifters because like osmosis, osmosis, I'm just going to be there. And I'm just going to be like, wow, I get to natural 300 pounds. Like, (laughs) it's like, you know, so it's a whole thing. But when your brain is actually that powerful to contribute to 50% muscle loss or gain. What? Mm -hmm. Like what? So To me, the weirdest one of all had to do actually with life expectancy. This was a really, really large study. This had 61,000 people in it and it followed them for 16 years. So this is like a, a whole ass vibe here. And the researchers had like all their medical records, like mental health, disabilities, BMI, gender, age, education, race, like they took everything into account. And... They started the study by being asked questions about their fitness and activity levels. So like this was their perception of their fitness and activity levels. This was everything was self-perceived. So would you say you're more or less active than the other people your age? Can you rate your general health and fitness on a scale of one to five? Things like that, where it wasn't tests based on their actual fitness. It was just how they thought their health and fitness was, how they were perceiving it. Now, all these people had different activity levels. They all were trackers. This whole study is like take into account chronic illness and, and all of their genetics. But here's the thing. The participants' perception of their own activity level did not correspond to their actual activity levels. So... <laughs> Of course it didn't. <laughs> and it never does, right? We always hear like, you know, people either over-exaggerating or under-exaggerating. Like, and it's so not accurate. And it's simply the perception. And if we knew how powerful that really was and how it could be working you in a really good direction or a really bad direction based on the perception, individuals who said, they, they thought that they were less active than their peers. Over the 16-year study, were 71% more likely to die 
during the follow-up period. That is taking into account all of the things, all of the controls of like what their actual health was. Just thinking that you are not exercising enough can actually harm your health. Just the thought alone. And that to me, I think was the most startling thing because I know that there are so many people out there with this like barrage of I'm not doing enough. And to think that they are hurting their ability to live longer just with that thought alone is like, that's, that's startling. Yeah. Well, this is also why I wanted people to take inventory of how they perceive themselves or what they thought about their physical activity at the beginning of this is because like, it is so important to your physical health, the longevity of your life, your belief system of how healthy you are. And when you think about it, And you, I know like we kind of framed that in a way of like these people were living longer and, but like when you look at the flip side of that, the people whose belief system was that they were not doing enough, that they were not physically like working out enough, that they were not as healthy as some of their peers died earlier. Like, I don't mean to take it morbid, but like they were sicker. So the idea that for me, the idea that just throwing it out there that your thoughts are making you sick is something that we really have to think about and get down with because the thoughts that you're thinking about on a daily basis about your health and about your yourself are literally causing you to be more ill. They're causing you pain. They're affecting your metabolism. They're affecting your muscles. They're affecting so much of your physical health that it's startling. Yeah. And, and we can measure it. We can measure what thoughts do to your body and the way it is functioning. And we can see evidence that you can actually convince yourself into being healthier and your body to run healthier. You can actually do that with your own mind. And this is like a widely accepted concept because people if people right now are like oh these girls these girls are on one today <laughs> no, no, right? these girls are on one okay no because you everybody everybody every medical doctor on the planet accepts the placebo effect yeah it's a known thing everybody mm-hmm. knows that the placebo effect is real it's a thing it happens in every study and we look at people and we say hey like we're gonna give you this tablet and it's gonna make you XYZ, fill in the blank. And the tablet is nothing. It's a sugar pill. And they all report feeling XYZ or or some of them. You know what I mean? Like this is a widely accepted thing. Do they talk themselves into it? Are they a liar? Like you can say whatever you want. Or you could actually look at the science that tells you that if the brain has thoughts that are producing a certain amount of reaction in the body, there is a element of being able to produce what you want, what you're telling your body to produce, like to the point of healing yourself. Yeah. 
Or harming yourself. Or harm, but that's the thing. That's the, oh man. That's the kicker, right? Like Dude. we can, we can start to get down with the fact that like, yeah, some people, some people have been able to experience this and kind of like put it out in that like distance of like those people, some people, but it kind of like comes down to like the placebo effect is repeatable. It's accepted. Right. And then we can look at like, oh, there are some of these, like we kind of put them to like anomalies. And this is how I thought of it too. Like I was listening to this and I was like, wow, these, they, there have been some incredible results. Like, wow, those are, and I, and I realized as I was listening, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, you are putting this off like professional athletes. Like I'm putting them in a category that is beyond my capabilities. Yes. Who have this like incredible healing and like, wow, that's amazing. Like they're just like those people way off in the distance. But then when you kind of like, boil it down a little bit more and think about like, what are some of the things that I'm doing maybe that are making me feel sicker, maybe that are not contributing to my healing? What are some of the things that I'm doing on a thoughts that I'm having on a daily basis that are contributing to my actions of performance essentially, or like life? Dude, on the most basic level, can you think a thought that makes your heart race? Yes. Right. You absolutely right? can. That's one of the, I love that example because like, absolutely you can. I can and do everyone right can do it. Yeah. <laughs> everyone can do it. Like <laughs> they could change your breathing. Start, start from like hyperventilating, like all of these. That's producing physical changes in your mm-hmm. body. Yeah. You can say, oh, those are temporary. But if you prolonged that thought, for example, we accept how stress affects the body, right? We accept the fact that stress And the thoughts surrounding stress, anxious thoughts, frustration, like all of these thoughts, we accept the fact that they produce more cortisol in the body. That's a thought creating a hormone that, that, I mean, we all sit here and say like, oh, you know, stress in this society, it's everybody's cortisol levels are too high. And that's why we're holding on to unnecessary body fat and we're staying in fight or flight. And this is like a widely accepted thing. The problem is we haven't figured out a way to get rid of stress yet. And so, and you know what, would we want to like, Stress is a necessary part of growth. And so like, no, that's not the goal that I mean, anybody who's like raising kids right now, like that's not the goal. It's not to snowplow it so that it's like the completely smooth road and you never feel anything uncomfortable. That is not going to build the kind of person that has any resiliency. It's like, no, we don't want to get rid of stress altogether. What we want to do is change the perception behind stress. If we say stress sucks. It's the worst for your body. It's going to make your body completely unhealthy. And then inevitably you experience stress. Then you have this whole chain of thoughts that are like, I'm making myself sick. I'm unhealthy, right? We know what that can do to your actual health. But if we changed the perception of stress and we instead said like, Hey, stress is a great sign of growth. If I'm stressed, it must mean that like I'm working really hard towards achieving some level of success that I've been going after. That I've said, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, it's all in perception. And there's been studies on this too, where like people were given negative messaging surrounding stress and like say, Hey, you have to avoid it. You have too much, like whatever. And it creates conditions in their body on a cellular level. And then there were people that were given like 
a stress is enhancing mindset, which is like, hey, this is this is growth. You're getting closer to your accomplishments. This is a tool in the path of success. And those people were able, when measuring, to maintain their cortisol levels at normal, healthy levels, despite the same amount of stress, and reported fewer symptoms of depression and anxiety. They even showed higher levels of the growth hormone DHEA, which is like how you, uh, it's like an, people call it the anti-aging hormone, which is like basically prolonging your life. That's why when that gets low due to high amounts of stress, people are like, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to die early if you don't, if you don't fix this. So it's really not about the stress. It's about how you perceive the stress that will allow your body to respond to the stress appropriately. I think stress is one of the most important discussions here because it is one of those ones that we know is completely a perception, right? Like there are, we've talked about in the past how like there can be the exact same stressor, the exact same life event, the exact same circumstance. And two people perceive that stress very differently because it, it is overall your perception of that event that you're considering to be stressful and then your body is reacting based on your perception of that. Remember Kelsey as a social worker, the woman whose wedding planning wasn't going correctly and the woman who was homeless. And you would, I, my, my object, my subjective opinion of both of those things that I was like, oh my God, the homelessness is going to be so much more stressful. Like you must be losing it. Right. And that was my perception of both of those events and putting that out there and on, on people. Whereas, you know, the woman who was experiencing homelessness was like, not her perception of that stressful event was not even close to the woman's perception of the stressful event that was planning a wedding. Like she was having physical symptoms, physical symptoms, she had to go on anti-anxiety, like literally was having panic attacks about the wedding and the seating. And like, those were very real stressors. Like they were very real to her. And, And I think that's important for everyone to hear because your stressors are very real, but they are real based on your perception of the stress. And something that you really need to think about is not only your thoughts around some of these stressors, whatever they might be in your life, how your language is around them. And then to take it one step further, how you talk to other people about the stressful events that are happening within their life, because there are ways to go about being compassionate and listening to, you know, events that people are telling you and and being like a good friend or a good partner or a good sister or like whatever. There are ways to go about listening to some of those events and being empathetic with that experience. And there's a way that you can be inserting with someone else or yourself escalating how stressful that event is. So I know something that happens to me quite often is when I'm like thinking about, I've had a lot of injuries over the last year. It's been like kind of frustrating and I've worked on my mindset around them and and thoughts around like, you know, going into training and, and staying positive and staying with for me, that's a, that's a good thing for me, like toxic positivity, whatever I'm deciding that's a good thing for me. And I get to do that. (laughs) And I get to decide whether like, this is going to be a good training day. And I know it's been said to me like on many times, I'm like trying to warm up and maybe I'm feeling a little stiff and working through that. And it's like, well, you've had a really stressful day or like you, these events are stressful. I'm kind of like putting that out there. And I'm like, I'm not focusing on those events for me being 
as stressful as maybe others are perceiving them. I have a job that is CVG, but like that it that can be perceived as very stressful because there's a lot always running up. But in my experience, it's everything that I love and everything that is helping me grow. And I'm pushed to learn new things that are a little bit uncomfortable and could feel stressful in the moment, but they're really helping me grow. And they're really helping me be a better person. And I'm thankful for every one of those opportunities. Sometimes I think we're in a little bit of confusion between like excitement and stress. Right? I think yeah. sometimes it gets it gets confusing of like a big feeling is coming, a big feeling, right? And like as adults, we recognize big feelings in kids and we say like, oh, this is, we can identify and we help, we try to help them to identify. What is this big feeling? What is, let's name it. Let's call it something fear. Let's call it sadness. Let's call it anxious. Let's call it, but like, I think as adults, when we experience any big feeling, we call it stress. You're so right. I've found this really weird with adults. <laughs> like I'm not an adult. <laughs> oh, those adults. <laughs> like I'm not an adult, but I, I sometimes like I feel like I'm like, whoa, these adults. Um, <laughs> I feel that like when people have like really big feelings, they immediately go to them being stressful. And I'm like, ooh, like I, I pull out like parts of excitement in them because I'm like, to me, like that feels a little bit exciting. And that's, that's learned behavior. I feel, I mean, some of us are more prone to it, but I feel like it's learned behavior and it's, it's with experiences that you have over time. Because I remember the first one that I kind of changed or reframe was one of my big feelings around fear, getting into the water at Wadapalooza. I had big fears around it and I prepared to go in with a lot of thoughts around fear and thinking about like, you know, your heart rate is when your heart rate's rising and you feel kind of shaky in your hands. Well, you need that adrenaline. That's a good thing. And kind of like reframing some of the physical feedback that I was getting from my body that originally I thought was fearful and something to push away. And as soon as I like welcomed it in, like my thoughts were contributing to physical, a physical response, right? Like I was getting this like rising heart rate, like I'm someone who has panic attacks. So I was worried that I was going to have a panic attack, but I was worried I was going to have a panic attack in the water. That's what I was really scared of. <laughs> that means drown. Yes. <laughs> Cause that means drown. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, like what if I have a panic attack in the water? And it went into all these crazy things. Right. But instead I said like, no, you need that adrenaline. Your heart rate's rising. You're getting more blood to your muscles. It's going to help you swim better. Starting to have an answer for some of those thoughts that bring you, your body, and your mind closer together instead of further apart is just a game changer. Because yeah, it's like making your body work for you. Yeah, because ultimately, like they're going to come together no matter what. You can continue to fight them, and you can continue to say, like, "Well, my my thoughts are not going to affect." my physical outcome or what I do physically is not going to affect my mind. And it's like, nope, whether you want them to or not, they're going to, cause you live in this one body and your brain is attached to your, <laughs> your body, but it's going to affect it or not. So how can you make that work for you instead of against you, particularly when it comes to stress? Like how can we think about those events and how can we change that perception a little bit to maybe like welcome the ideas of stress. Hang on. I have been told that, what's the numbers? Seven. 
Seventy percent. Seventy eight. Over 70% of you guys listening to this podcast have not subscribed. So please do me a favor right now. It really, really helps us. Do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. You're listening every week. We're besties in here together talking about everything fitness and life. And you haven't subscribed yet. So be sure to hit the subscribe button right now and subscribe to our podcast. Thinking about the girl getting married, it's like, I think that if we could really trace that big feeling back, it would be excitement. (laughs) I mean, planning a major event like that, where like you're going to, you know, be the center of the show and be like, pledging your love in front of all of the people you care about and throwing this massive party and like all this stuff at the base of that, there's excitement. And like, you get to decide where that sort of goes in what direction. And it's not really that like, there's not going to be stressors. I'm I'm using air bunnies that come up like, like, well, table seven can't be next to table eight. Like that's real. But like, if it all has the backdrop of this is going to be the most amazing thing. So the sooner I figure out table seven and table eight gets me one step closer to this amazing event. Like it's, it's just, I don't know. That's just like, we always talk about hustle culture too. Like the fact that you can, it's okay to like, to be go, 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 but but Mm -hmm. like to call it what it is. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I love that point because a lot of, Those of us who, if you feel like you're someone who is in a hustle culture, a lot of the negative connotations about that come from other people's perception of how busy you are. And you start to like pause it and you say like, am I, am I running around too much? Is that for who? Is that? Yeah. And you, and you just start to like, for who? mm -hmm. You just pause one second. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's one of those really interesting things that we can recognize when we talk to other people and you can feel it when you talk to certain people, right? Like you can, like I recently was talking to a different woman who was getting married and she, uh, she had some things to say about like her soon to be husband, her fiance, soon to be husband, fiance, their family and the whole thing coming up. But my response was like genuine excitement for her. And I wasn't disregarding her feelings of stress, but you could kind of see her change and how she talked about the event and planning and the whole thing based on my response back to her. Cause she's like, well, like, you know, he wanted to invite his second cousin, blah, 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 but we're not doing anything beyond the first bro. You know what I mean? It was like this whole, like this, the, it's like the first removed from the family. We're not doing anything beyond that. No exceptions or like whatever. And it, she was like, <laughs> it was like a big stressful thing. And I was like, Oh, but it's coming up so quick. Huh? Like, it's really exciting. And she was like, yeah, yeah, it is, you know, and you can kind of like, you can gauge that response from different people that you're talking to. So I want us all to not just be mindful about how we are talking about some of those events with ourselves, but how, maybe how we're responding to others, maybe how we're inserting something that maybe we would consider to be stressful or pause for like our culture being more accepting of this is all really hard. 
I feel like we're, I don't know if it's a moment, but we're all in this, like, everything is so hard. And we, like, repeat that over and over. Like, it's so hard being a parent. It's so hard being single. It's so hard being in a relationship. It's so hard being married. It's so, it's like, if all of these are that hard, like, which one is easy? <laughs> I mean, just know that that constantly thinking that is, is having an effect on your physical body. Yeah. Like, just know that and then do with that what you will. I mean, lastly, this even goes into nutrition, <laughs> which is like, which is weird. Cause you think like this affects this, right? Like nutrition is like, this goes in my mouth. I eat this is going to have this effect. Simple. It's not, it's so weird. It's like the way that you perceive the food <laughs> actually has an effect on how I your body love this one like response to it. So it's, and I think like this is, you know, just backs up like all of the things that we've previously said about restriction and stuff and how it just doesn't work for your brain. But in this study, they gave people a 380 calorie milkshake and they told them everybody got a 380 calorie milkshake across the board. They told half the people, this is 620 calories and it's very indulgent. It's a very indulgent shake. You're having like a big treat here. And then they told the other people, this is only 140 calories. This is very light. It's a sensible shake, very healthy and nutritious. Two completely different messages for the exact same shake. Then they measured their the hunger hormone. They, it's grenoline. It's it, that people refer to it as the hunger hormone because it sort of regulates your metabolism and it tells you when you're hungry and when you're not. The people that <laughs> thought they had the sensible shake, the nutritious one, the low calorie one, they actually had way more. A buildup of, is it Greenland? <laughs> yeah, you, I, I usually I, call it the gremlin because the gremlin, like it tells that's you, what I was saying. That's yes. why, it, like, because yes. it's like the when gremlin. you kind of like refer to it to remember, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it tells you. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So the people that had the indulgent shake, but what they thought was the indulgent shake, even though it was exactly the same, had a decline in the hunger hormone. And so they reported being less hungry. Like, oh, I'm not hungry. I had that big shake. It was very indulgent. The other people report had, this is a physical hormone that's happening in your body. It's measurable. We can measure it. And theirs did not respond in the same way and stayed higher and said, like, I'm hungry again, feed me, even though they all had the same thing. So it was literally talking their metabolism into doing two different things and responding hormonally in two different ways, just from their perception of what they ate or drank. And so, oh, I went, there was this other one. This was just like a funny one. They took like two menus and they said like, oh, we're going to like put a bunch of words that are typically used for like high fat foods. We're going to put them around vegetables. They called it rich, buttery, roasted corn. And they called like slow roasted, caramelized zucchini bites. Like these were just zucchini bites. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the language around them. Mm -hmm. And then they took the other people and they told them like, oh, these are healthy 100 calorie zucchini bites. So they told them, this is sweet corn off the healthy menu. This is the Weight Watcher menu or like whatever. They did all of these things and... <laughs> 
the people increase their vegetable consumption by 41% if they thought the vegetable was surrounded by yummy sounding things <laughs> rather than the like, this is very nutritious for you. It's just a perception thing. It's like, it's the same vegetable. It's just corn. If you called it sweet buttery corn, or if you <laughs> called it low calorie corn, it's the same corn, but the people responded to wanting to eat it totally differently. So it's just... I don't know. That's funny. To me. I think it's very interesting that the that your perception of the food that you're eating has a direct impact impact on the function of your metabolism. So how you're actually metabolizing the things that you're eating is affected by the thoughts about what you are consuming. And I think that's a really like for me like the physical <laughs> like response to that is just really interesting because um, we know the language that we've historically used about healthier food, whether you're being good, you're being bad, whether something is something that you consider a healthy food or something you consider like a bad food. And it's very interesting to me that if you go into it with some that type of thought, that your metabolism is actually going to respond accordingly. Like, <laughs> that's wild to me. It's almost like you're in charge of the shit. It's like you're, you're in charge of it. And a lot of times, kind of those comments are almost like throwaway comments where we just say like, oh, I'm just being so bad today. Oh, you know, I didn't mean that, but like whatever. It's, it's like really start to wrap your head around what you're considering to be good, bad, indulgent, healthy, smart, whatever. All of those thoughts around the food that you're eating are so important to how you're actually going to metabolize those foods. The, not even like the go beyond that, the choices that you will make about those foods. And every time someone starts a diet and they start to go like, oh, I'm just going to have a sad salad and I'm just going to eat like gross things like boiled chicken and stuff like just what did you just do right you made your metabolism tell you <laughs> you were more hungry than you actually were like and that's so crazy that's so crazy your metabolism be like bitch yeah <laughs> i know right like <laughs> Absolutely. You told not. me that we were going to be hungry, so yeah. I responded appropriately. <laughs> it's it's just so it's so nuts. And like if you're thinking about the best way to sort of put this in practice cuz like everybody when we talk about mindset and stuff, everybody's like that sounds really good. But I just don't feel that can, in control of my own thoughts sometimes. Like thoughts are coming in like waves and like I can't, I don't know what to do to like block those ones out that I'm not wanting and like stuff like that. So I think that it's, it, it just, and then it gets stressful that, that practice gets stressful of like, oh no, don't think this, don't think this. And then like, yeah, I think that it's really important when people are talking about mindset things, when they talk about meditation, because it's not these random thoughts that are sort of coming into your mind every day that are making the big difference. It's really your ability to visualize what it is that you want to happen physically in your body. And so like think about the people in the cast, right? 
they saw their big changes just from sitting quiet and visualizing firing those muscles. They couldn't actually fire them. They were just thinking about it, but it was purposeful. It wasn't just washing the dishes and like whatever thoughts came into your brain at that point. It was purposeful thinking about how you want your body to function. And so saying things and visualizing them and think and feeling the actual feelings of the outcome that you want helps your body to produce the conditions to get there. So it, it, ha- it can't just be this like, this is what I want to think about. It has to be something that you, that you, th- that you're prioritizing and th- like making space for to say, I'm going to do this visualization and think about like these messages. And if you're going to say to yourself, my job is giving me great physical exercise. When you're doing your job, those are the thoughts that are going through your head. Your brain is literally creating the conditions to be fitter. I really liked that you said create the space for some of these thoughts, because I think that you really hit something really important there is that we are consuming a lot and whether it's good or it's bad, we're consuming a lot right now. And I think a lot of people can feel that with like the amount of information they take in the amount of like, you know, people and thoughts and they have kids and they get this whole life and it's just trying to like drink water and like respond to people and like live. And (laughs) it's like, like, I totally get that. But like the most important thing about every function that you're going to do today, tomorrow, in five years, 10, forever, is how you are being within your body. That's the most important part of everything that, that branches out from that is how you're functioning within your body and taking time to create space for positive mindset or positive thoughts or or an environment that you want to create within your body is so important. Like think today, like how might I be able to create some of that space in my mind? And you don't have to be perfect at any of these things. Like you have the information. We shared some information with you. What could you do within that information? What could you put into practice? What I would say would be listening to this podcast would be number one. Like you, you got one check in there cause you downloaded all this information. And then like, how might you put that into your daily practice? Like you could think about some of the ways that you talk about yourself, take the inventory of who you think you are. Are you a person who lives a fairly healthy lifestyle? Have you decided that? Because you'll live longer. <laughs> if we told you right now, you have a 71% chance to live longer simply by thinking that you're a healthy person, could you make space for that? Could you make space for that? What more things could you do just with that thought alone as the backdrop of your life? Yeah, I'm a healthy person. Yeah, yep. And from there, you can think of what are some of the things I do on a daily basis that make me a healthy person? Like you can find a lot of those. (laughs) Like you can find them. And your body is literally listening. If you tell it it's healthy, it is more likely to be healthy. I know. Isn't it crazy? Because you are what What you say. You are (laughs) a superstar. (laughs) No 
<laughs> I've been waiting the whole episode to sing I that mean, song. So I knew it. As soon yeah. as you said it, I was like, she's in her moment. <laughs> My life is a musical. Yeah, definitely. So. <laughs> I wish I had more skills for that musical or more people. It feels more normal when we're all singing and dancing together. <laughs> it's like when it's just me, I'm like, <laughs> where does like your entourage come in? Do you guys miss yeah. the cue? Where's my entourage? Answers. <laughs> Why are we not harmonizing? I'm, I'm here to just cheer you on. That's my role in this in this life. I'm an ultimate hype squad. I'm like, I know you are. You I go. appreciate you. You are what you say you are, guys. It's so true. You decide. You decide. Your body listens. Done. Done and done. What if? What if it was that? What if? What if it's that simple? Oh my god. We love you. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. If you'd like to join our movement, get in our free app, CVG Nation, available in your app store. We have an amazing community of women, coaches to help you with your movements, challenges, and we give away leggings daily in there. Rachel and I are in there every day, so it's a perfect place to get in touch with us. This podcast is made possible by Constantly Varied Gear, so be sure to check out ConstantlyVariedGear.com. Have an amazing week. Crush your goals.